Your future, your destiny is what you make of it. You are absolutely 100% in charge of it. Someone says, well, I thought, you know, God was in charge of that. Well, I'll get to that in a little bit because you're right, but you're also not right. Now, I'll explain to you why. Because a lot of people are waiting for God to do what God's already commissioned you to do. I'm already preaching really good. Amen. And so um, your future is wide open for you to create its outcome. As a matter of fact, the Bible says that in the very beginning of time that he, when he made us, he made us in his image and in his likeness to function like. We look, we look like God in some facet, and we are to function like God. We're in his likeness. And so um, that means that if God is a creator, then we must also be a creator of sorts. And at least, at the very least, we are a co-creator with him. Somebody say amen. So the, the power that he made available to us at the very beginning of time when God made mankind, man and woman, he did that based on the principle of something called honor. And the title of my message this morning is honor. Father, today we thank you so very much for your presence already felt in this place, Lord God, for your anointing that comes and breaks through every yoke of bondage in the mighty name of Jesus. No matter what we're going through today, we know beyond a shadow of a doubt that you are a breaking forth kind of God. You will break through. You will break us through into our destiny. You will break us through into our future. You will break us through onto the other side of what we're going through, and we give you praise and glory. And, Father, we do not take that lightly because we know that only you can do it. I can't. I can't, but I'm praying today that, and have prayed, Lord, that you will use me today for that to take place. And your people, in the name of Jesus Christ, that are here today, Father God, a special blessing upon those that are here, Lord God. What an incredible difference they make, Lord God. Thank God for them. Lord, I also thank you for those watching online. God bless each and every one of them as we receive your word in Jesus' name. The church said amen and amen. The Bible says that God is Alpha and Omega. What does that mean? Well, it's the beginning of the alphabet, the end of the alphabet. So it means that, that he is the beginning and the ending. So when you think of alpha and omega, you always think of God as being the beginning and the end, which means this, God knows the end from the beginning. So before God ever starts a project, before God ever starts anything, he already knows the outcome of what's going to happen. Can somebody say amen to that? He's an all-knowing God. He's an all-seeing God. He understands everything. So when God begins to put something in motion, he does it based on what he's already seen will come to pass. So he works from the back end to the front end. That's how God operates. So God is Alpha and Omega. He knows the end from the beginning. He knew you from the foundations of the world. Before you ever got into the 20th century, some of you were born into, some of you were born in the 21st century, before you ever got into this place in time, God already had you on his mind from the very foundation of the world. This world exists because God wanted you to be on this world, to coexist with him, to be a co-creator with him, to have dominion and authority over everything that's on the earth, including the devil himself, because the Bible says, I saw Satan fall like lightning to the earth. And so we have power and authority over the devil. Look at your neighbor and say, you've got that kind of power. 
Every single person has that kind of power that is a believer in Christ that understands the principles of the word of God. And so this is who God is and this is how he operates and this is who you are. So God puts you sort of like in the driver's seat in order for you to understand that you have been made literally in the image of God from the foundation of the world before you ever materialize. Why? Because God works from the end to the beginning, not from the beginning to the end. There are no surprises with God. Although you have your own free choice, he already knew the choice you were going to make. And I love something about God because if you make a bad decision, he's like, he's, he's, he, just under, he, he puts you on a detour. Come on, somebody. He doesn't give up on you. Amen. He keeps working with you to get you in the right place at the right time. Amen. So we know this because the Bible tells us in Jeremiah that Jeremiah himself was a prophet, but he didn't know he was a prophet. He was just a young kid at the time. And the Bible says that the word Lord came to him and said, Jeremiah, this is who you are. You're a prophet to the nations. You're going to have power to root up and pull down and build up and to tear down. And I'm going to give you that kind of authority. Don't be afraid of their faces because I called you. Don't say you're too young. Don't say you're too young. And I might add, don't say you're too old. Amen. If God calls you, he calls you right at the right time. And so he said, he said, he said, before you were formed in your mother's womb, I what? Knew you. I had intimate detail of you. If you want to understand this, we were already in existence. You just can't remember it, but you were already alive and well in God. Amen. And so, and I believe when we all get to heaven, boy, it's going to be incredible because we're going to see so much more to this life than what we have. But you only have one life. This is the life you live, but you were already in the heart and the mind of God. Everything about you before you were born, I already knew you, and I called you and ordained you to be a prophet to the nations. God had your purpose in mind. You've heard me preach this so many times, you ought to be able to repeat it better than I can say it. And that is before you got here, God had the purpose. So the only way that you could get here is because there was a purpose. So never say you don't know your purpose. You might not understand your purpose, but you need to know your purpose. And the more you know God, the more you'll find your purpose. Amen, somebody. But every single person has a plan and a purpose and a destiny of God. Somebody shout yes. I'm going to make this statement. There's a precedent in the word that details that we can actually move out of time and find favor with God through honoring him. I'm going to show you in just a moment. But, but here's what I want you to get. In other words... You can move out of time to find favor. In other words, you can be in a place where it's really not your time. You're really not as prepared as you should be. Or maybe other people think you should be. Amen. You might not have all the money in your bank account yet, praise God. So you're not really in time. You're kind of out of step and out of time. But when you learn to honor God, everybody say honor. honor. When you learn to honor God, something supernatural takes place and you can step out of time. Where everybody else has got to go to four years of college, you went through one week of boot camp, amen, with God, and you get the same results as somebody's got four years of training and a $100,000 bill to boot. Somebody say amen. I'm talking about this God knows the end from the beginning, so he knew before you got there. And when you learn to honor him and put him first place in your life, things begin to happen for you that should not be happening, especially in the time frame that they're happening. That's why the woman that was, it was such a powerful story about Jesus, and, 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 and she said, you know, heal my, my daughter. And, uh, and he said, um, it's not good to give the, 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 the bread, the bread to, to, to little dogs. She, she said, even the little dogs get to eat the crumbs that fall from the master's table. And he said, great is your faith, woman. And her daughter was healed that very moment in time. In other words, she was a Samaritan woman. She was not a Jew. He told her that. I'm not here for you. 
This is not the time for that. Are you hearing what I'm saying? But she didn't care. Faith and honor to him. She didn't get snippy with him. She didn't get offended with him. She didn't get upset with him. How dare you call me a little dog? She didn't do this. She said, Lord, I understand all that, but you know, even the little dog. In other words, she's appealing to him. She's appealing to him, and because she's honoring him, and she's walking in a place of faith, she moved out of time beyond the cross where all Gentiles could be saved and got herself a miracle. Is anybody ready to get a miracle and a breakthrough, even if it's not in step but in time? You got David. David's another one of those people who said that they were in war and they were hungry and, and they didn't have nothing to eat. And they said, David, what are we going to eat? You're supposed to be the man to have the plan. And he said, I, I, well, I'll tell you what we can do. I know a place where they've got good bread. Where's it at? Where's this bakery at there? We might eat it. And he said, it's called the, the tabernacle. What do you mean a tabernacle? The showbread. Oh, David, well, you must have been in battle too long because nobody's allowed to eat the showbread. That's for God. And maybe the priest can eat it now and again. But we're not priests. So we can't eat it unless we die. Because them's the rules. That's how it works. And he said, you don't know. I'm a friend of God. I know him. He loves me. I don't know about how he treats all you all, but he loves me. He can't get enough of me. I know him. And so they went and ate the showbread, and nobody died, and everybody got promoted. You tell me how. David, by honoring God, and was a friend of God, had a relationship with God, moved beyond time, stepped beyond it. Come on, somebody. Move beyond the cross where everybody's been set free, where the, the veil has been torn and God stepped out into eternity for all mankind. That was the moment he went into. Mary, uh, we don't have any wine. Jesus said, what do you want me to do, woman? It's not my time. How many know mama has a way of getting what mama wants? She just left it alone. He said, all right, I got to do it. My mama just wanted. And so she gets, the Bible says that the water pots were filled with water. And then he said, watch and drink. And they drank and it became wine better than the wine they had before. And it, the party continued on. In other words, Mary was able to step out of time. Is anybody hearing me today? When you honor God, when you honor his system, when you walk by faith, you'll see miracles begin to happen. Someone may be saying, well, I don't like the direction that my life is going in right now. I want God to change it. Well, look at Jeremiah chapter 18, verse 1. It says, the word of the Lord came to Jeremiah from the Lord saying, arise, everybody say arise, and go to the potter's house. And there I will cause you to hear my words. Where? At the potter's house. The potter is the maker. Then I went down to the potter's house, and there he was making something at the wheel. And the vessel that he made of clay was marred. It was what? It was defective. In the hand of the potter. Watch this. So he made it again into another vessel as it seemed good to make to, for the potter to make. So some might say, I just want, I, I mean, I don't like my life. I, I feel like it's defective. I feel like it has no purpose. And, and, and I just don't know what to do. Let me just tell you something. God will not throw you away. God is like the potter. And though he sees a flaw, and though he sees a de defect, he doesn't throw it away. Come on, somebody. He gives it a little water, and he puts it on that wheel and begins to form it and form it until it becomes what it's supposed to become. You may have a defect, but it will not effect your purpose. You might have a defect, but it will not effect your destiny. God is still working on you. Can somebody say, my God is still working on me? Now give the Lord a shot of praise if you want him to continue to work on you. Come on. 
I can't hear you in your home. Come on. Now let's look at Isaiah 45 verse 9. Woe to him who strives with his, what? Maker. Let the pot shear. Let the pot shear. What's the pot shear? It's the broken pieces of the pot. Let the pot shear, the broken, strive with the brokens or the pot sheards of the earth. Shall the clay say to him who forms it, what are you making? Or shall your handiwork say, he has no hands? Where's the honor in complaining to the maker about how you ought to be? Where's the honor to God in complaining to God about what you are not? Where's the honor in telling the Almighty that he messed up or made some sort of defect or made some sort of mistake with you like he's going to throw you away? I should, have, I, should have been, uh, I should have been this, you might say, or I should have been that. But God knows what you're supposed to be. He knows the end from the beginning. He already knows the design. He's got it in his mind and his heart. Look what Romans chapter 9, verse 21 says. Does not the potter have power over the clay? Does not the potter have power over the clay? From the same lump to make one vessel for honor and another for dishonor. So God has the power over what the vessel should become. What Paul is saying is God makes the vessel and the vessel can be for honor or for dishonor. But the purpose of the vessel is always to bring honor to the maker. But the vessel in this case being something that's alive and not just a pot, a pot that's on a, a shelf somewhere. But the vessels that he's talking about, they have a choice. They can make a decision whether to be honoring to God or dishonoring to God. And that's what needs to be talked about. This thing's been in my spirit about loyalty and about honor so strong lately. I feel it's important because, look, to become what God has already predetermined for you to be, there needs to be honor, honor in your life, honor to God. We lack honor in today's culture. Do we not? It's all over the culture. Men don't hold doors open for women anymore. And women have been told if you're equal to a man, you don't want them to open a door for you. But I have found every woman I've ever opened the door for. Why, thank you. Almost shocked. Chivalry is not dead. My mother taught me to open door for women. You see a woman, you open the door for them, praise God, right? My wife's trying to get me on the car thing. I got to do the car thing. I don't open the door for her in the car because that's a whole other round. And you got to come all the way back. And she asked me in the wintertime, it's just too doggone cold. But I got to start doing that. I don't think about it. And then my friend Dennis White, who's probably watching me right now, he, he, he kind of smiled at me one time. He opened the door for his wife and kind of looked at me like, oh, I better go over there and open the door now. Because I know my wife is watching the whole thing. I'm going to look like a jerk. He gave me that little smile like, you in trouble. Um, but I've learned that, that most women like that. I mean, it's not saying they're lesser. It's being courteous and kind. When, you, when it's someone that's an elder in your life, you, you, you see them, uh, you need, they need a little help, and, and, and they got their walker, and they're coming by with their cane or whatever, in their wheelchair, and they're coming by, and you want to open the door. You wait for them, don't you? It takes a little time for them to get there. Oh, well, thank you, young man. I think I'm a young. Praise God, I'm a young man. And it's just, it's just, but now we see this dishonoring going on. I've never seen anything like this culture where children cuss their parents out. What? I, I want to say, say manna because manna means what is it? What is that? What meaneth this? I didn't grow up like that. Cuss your parents out. 
I didn't say, I didn't say, uh, I hate this or hate that with my parents getting my face, praise God. I mean, it wasn't just go to your room. It was get to your room because you're going to whip it, praise God. Right? I mean, we weren't, saying, we weren't allowed to say we even hated something. You don't hate that. Don't, that's a strong word. Don't say it. And, and, you know, I grew up in a society where that's just the way it was, right? And now I see these parents that allow their children to talk back. Who's the boss in your house? I can tell you right now, your house is out of order, and anything that's out of order will not work. You have been called not to be the buddy or the pal of your, your children. You are to be their parent. Your whole responsibility is to raise them up, not be their buddy. But what I found out, when you raise them up, they want to hang out with you because they know you'll tell them the truth. They'll know that you did the best you could for them. Honor is this. Honor means the valuing of something. Uh, it means putting or placing value on a person, a place, or a thing. Let me say that again. Honor is the valuing of something, putting or placing value on a person, place, or thing. What do you honor in your life? What do you have place of value on that person, place, or thing? Becomes the honor. Uh, dishonor is to treat something as common. So if you, again, the parental thing, if you treat your parents as common, you are being dishonorable to them. Dishonor causes everything around it to break down and to deteriorate. Honor causes everything around it to elevate, go into another level. We've got people in the body of Christ who change churches like they change their socks. Where's the honor for the house that God called you to? We got board members in the body of Christ who pull the strings on the pastor like Geppetto pulling the strings on Pinocchio to make him dance. Dance, pastor. Do what we say. We'll vote you in and we'll vote you out. We're going to tell you how to do it in the house of God. Where's the honor to the man of God that God sent to that city with a vision from the Lord? Now, this church, don't. we're not governed that way, thank God. But you see, so many of my friends are that way. Uh, we're, we've got members of the church who talk against other church members and other church leaders like they're sharing their favorite recipe. Ain't no big deal. I don't care what anybody thinks. This is just how I think about it. I'm just going to be me. I'm going to tell you like it is, like it ain't no big deal. Where's the honor that we're supposed to be giving to those who have leadership in our lives? Dishonor pulls everything down. Honor builds everything up. Honor will save that marriage. Honor will heal that relationship. Honor will promote that business. Honor will bless your life. Everybody say, I'm going to honor. Because everything that honors gets honored, goes up, 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 up. My wife and I were having, we went for a drive yesterday, we were having a little conversation. And um, we were talking about some things and about, and just in, in culture and society, she didn't know I was going to be preaching. And, um, and it really hit us hard about how uh, people how people view certain things in life, and how that they don't they they take for granted certain things like a job, like a job. And right now, uh, everywhere we just we had lunch, and that's why it sparked the conversation. And we overheard a conversation. No, it's at the grocery store. Uh, Gloriosos. Oh, bah, oh, she's blah blah blah. If you know anything about Gloriosos, it'll make you hungry. Praise God. So we went in there, and we got and I heard these two Italian guys talking. And they were talking about how business was going good. But they're talking about this other friend of theirs that had a great, they said they had a, he's had a great business. But he can't find the help. He can't hire people. 
He's looking everywhere. He can't hire the people because the people are getting checks from the government, and so they're getting an easy ride right now, and so they're working. They're not working, and they're collecting that check. And we started talking about it in the car and said, we get it. We understand, especially if you're in a need. It's a, it's, it, you need, it's a wonderful thing uh, to help out uh, when you're in need. There's nothing wrong with that. Not a thing wrong with that. But now then that the economy is doing well enough for people to get hired, but they're not getting hired, but they're living off the check. And we started talking about this. You know, the culture of our day was, man, take the job. Because the day will come. Everybody will want your same position, and then there won't be enough jobs. But I'll lose that check. It's okay. That's okay because if you take the job, that will outlive the check. It's just simple economics. But people's got give me, give me, give me. My name is Jimmy on their mind. Y'all didn't catch that. Praise God. And so I, I want, I want, I want. I need, I need, I need. But they don't think about, about I'm, I'm going to be in need. I don't take a job. And then it hurts our economy. It hurts us getting back on our feet and all that stuff. So we're talking about this. We started talking about the old days and how, you know, how old people uh, talk, you know. And we're talking about the old days. And we're talking about how uh, the culture was so different. And my wife, was a, was a, she worked for a bank. She had many positions. But she started off as a bank teller. And, uh, and, uh, and she loved her customers. And she, as a matter of fact, we talk about it. I've mean, known her since 83. And we talk about the certain customers that would come in and stuff. And she'd always have certain people on her mind, her mind because um, she liked them. And they were just fun to talk to and blah, blah, blah. But she, she was known as someone who took care of the customers. And it's because she honored them. Guess what? She always had the longest line. Now, it's a double-edged sword because you're working harder than anybody else for the rest of the day. But people liked it. But by the by, liked her. But what happened was she began to get favor because they fell in love with her. Once they found out, oh, she's, you're getting married? Uh, well, uh, this guy had just, he was the guy that had the account for uh, court, Courtyard. Uh, uh, what's it called? Uh, uh, hotel. Courtyard. And uh, Marriott is what it was. And he was in charge of that. That was his deal. They were just building Rockford's brand spanking new in the beautiful East State, gorgeous, right? Brand new. He says, I tell you what, you're getting married? He says, I know what I'm going to do. I'm going to give you a room for you and your husband for your honeymoon night. You're getting married in Rockford. He says, yeah, it'll be yours. He said, nobody will ever sleep in it first. You'll be the first ones to sleep in a brand new suite. Two bedroom, come on, two room suite, beautiful place. Favorite for a bank teller. Guy behind her. The guy behind him, here's what he's doing. He goes, tell you what, what I'm going to do. What did he do? What, forget what he did. For, he had, he's a restaurant guy. He said, I'm going to give you a free meal, top restaurant in Rockford on the house just for your, for your anniversary. Now, you know all the other tellers were like, they, they didn't like it too much. And she was like, yes. She got favor. Another, uh, this is another time during Christmas, and the guy, guy came to her all the time, and, and um and he, was, uh, uh, he owned a huge nursery, the largest nursery in town, which is uh, a tree nursery. And he had a big account there at the bank. And so um, he, he said, you know what you guys need? He goes, you guys need a Christmas tree. She goes, you know what? That's what we need. We've been talking to the other girls. We need a Christmas tree because it's just like lifeless. And it's Christmas time. He said, I tell you what. He said, I'm going to take care of that. I'm going to do something about that. Came back about three hours later with a fully decorated tree, brought it into the thing, sat it right where her station is, and the bank manager or the bank uh, president came out and vice president came out. What in the world is going on? Which did what? It opened the door for her to have a conversation about this guy and how, and that began to bring promotion to her. A promotion she didn't want, but a promotion that there was offered to her. It was a blessing that God was, was ordaining. This is something I'm trying to tell you. That when you honor people, open doors of opportunity will come. 
So don't wait for your check to run out, church. You that are watching me, don't do it. We get it. We understand it. It's easy money. But at the end of the day, it's going to end. Get the job before everybody else is standing in the same line you are. And you'll be. And by the way, I'm an employer. Been one for years. Employers look for that. And when they see somebody, go, look, they're not living off the state. They're actually taking care. They want to make sure they have a job. They don't forget that stuff. You will have favor with the employer. Trust me. All these guys are talking the same thing. We can't find help. We can't find help. Don't be that person. All right, let's look at Malachi chapter 1. Now, it's year 550 B.C. Israel is a downward spiral. Economy is down. Morale is down. City is deteriorating. Sounds like America. It's bad. Verse 6, a son honors his father and a servant his master. If then I am the father, where is my honor? And if I am the master, where is my reverence, says the Lord of hosts. To you priests who despise my name, yet you say, in what way have we despised your name? Now, he says, I'm looking for the honor. If I'm the father, I want the honor. Now, look at verse 11 through 13. Now, I tell you what, uh, you guys have the message. Put the message translation up. 11 says this, and this is beautiful. I am honored all over the world, God said. And there are people who know how to worship me all over the world, who honor me by bringing their best to me. They're saying it everywhere, God is greater. This God of the angel armies, all except you. Everybody else is praising my name, but you. Instead of honoring me, you profane my name. You profane me when you say worship is not important. And I could preach a message just on that right there. And what... We, we bring to worship is of no account. And when you say, I'm bored, this doesn't do anything for me, sounds like a lot of church members I know. The bored you get, the later you are to worship. I don't know who you are. I, sit, I stand right there with my back to you, so I will never know, praise God. That way I can preach this gospel with my eyes closed. Jesus, I don't know who I'm talking to. <laughs> Oh, those that are watching me, I didn't think about this. Watch me right now. We get it. There are people that have legitimate reasons not to come. We also get that we don't have a children's ministry right now. That's coming. You'll get the announcement soon. And we'll tell you a little bit about that. That's coming. We get that too. But what we need to be honest about, have you just become bored? Are you just over church? Hey, I can just, I can just, go, to, I can just go online when I want to. Used to be you were online every single week making sure you got that word. Now it's sort of... Mm, I'm going by what the scripture says. I'm not going to profane his name. I'm going to make sure I'm one of those that gives praise and honor to his name. You act so superior. Sticking your noses in the air, act superior to me, God of the angel armies. And when you do offer me something or something to me, it's a hand-me-down or broken or useless. In other words, you are so much about giving second, third, fourth, and fifth best to God. You get the best, and everybody else can just whatever, right? That's, how, that's what he's saying. You're all about you, but you're not about me. Where's my honor? You put you first. You put everybody else first but me. Where's my honor? You treat me like a second-rate citizen. Do you think I'm going to accept it, God says? This is God speaking to you. Okay, Father, you're speaking to us. We hear you in Jesus' name. Malachi 3, 7. 
Yet from the days of your fathers, you have gone away from my ordinances and have not kept them. Return to me. He wants us to return. He, there's, an, there, there's, an, there's a way to change the situation. Return to me, and I will return to you, says the Lord of hosts. But you said, in what way shall we return? Will a man rob God? Yet you've robbed me. But you say, in what way have we robbed you? In tithes and offerings, 10% giving, giving above that. You are cursed with a curse, for you have even, you've robbed me, even this whole nation. Now, if you don't like it, rip it out of your Bible. But I'm going to live by this. This is what the Bible says to do. That there may be food in my house and try me now in this, says the Lord. It's, now watch what happens. If I'll not pour out the windows of heaven for you, such blessing that there won't be room enough to receive it. Now I'm going to come back to that in just a second because it's not about tithe and offering right now. It's about an attitude. That everything I have, God is first. Everything I've got, I honor him first. He gets my love first. He gets my attention first. He gets my time first. He gets my money first. He gets everything. Even my children, I, he comes before them. I dedicated them, so of you, our children to him. Saying, you're first. This is what we're teaching them. We put him first. I want to talk to you for just a moment. We only have a couple minutes left. About the things that may be spiraling out of control in your life. Why is that happening? Some of you are in a downward spiral. You put on a face. You're happy. And that's okay. You're not being fake. You just kind of get through life. I get it. But why is that happening? Relationships gone south. Finances gone south. Health gone south. I want to say this. Order affects outcome. So when it's not in order, out of step, out, 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 out of motion, it's supposed to be in order, it will begin, it'll, it'll stop. It'll begin to stop on you. Right? Cogs that get stuck, they're, they're not in order. They'll, they'll, they, they, they stop the whole process. When you bring honor back, it elevates everything back. It causes things, the cogs to begin to spin in unison together, producing what it's supposed to produce. Look again what happened in verse 10 and 11. Bring all the tithes in the storehouse, that there will be food in my house. Try me now in this, says the Lord of hosts. If I will not open for you the windows of heaven and pour out for you such blessing that there will not be room enough to receive it, and I will rebuke the devourer for your sakes so that he will not destroy the fruit of your ground, nor shall the vine fail to bear fruit for you in the field, says the Lord of hosts. There will be no premature death. Uh, God says, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give you more than you need. He said, that's what he's promising. I'm going to open windows of blessing over your life. He is saying that I'm going to rebuke the devil that's trying to come to steal, kill, and destroy everything about you. But when you do it your way, and I do not have honor... Honor means to pay toward, by the way, in the Hebrew, to pay toward. And I don't not pay toward. I don't put him first in my life. That's when things begin to break down and deteriorate. We got to return. He said, return to me. I'm not pointing the finger at you. God's pointing the finger at you. The same God that points the finger at you is the same one that points it at me. Don't get mad at me. I can feel your feathers getting ruffled this morning. Don't get upset that they're watching right now online with me. I'm just a messenger. i got to live this like everybody else. And if I don't live it, shame on me, and God will reveal it. Everything's just better with honor. Your marriage elevates. Your business elevates. School that you belong to, your neighborhood, the church, everything begins to elevate. With honor, everything goes up. We go higher in every direction. We got to bring it. We got to bring it back into our lives. Um, think, think of dishonor as this. Dishonor is always something that is downgrading your life. Everybody loves an upgrade. How many's ever had an upgrade? Isn't that nice? 
I've been, to, I've been to the airport, and they said, we see you have a, a mid-sized economy car. We don't have that right. We'd like to upgrade you to the Hummer. Hallelujah. Or the Tahoe or whatever. Oh, uh, yes, that would be nice. What's the charge? No charge. Shoot, that feels good. You might even drink your coffee with your pinky up in the air a little bit. Been to a hotel. We went to one in Atlantic, Atlantic City. It was like dead. It was a few years back. It was, there was nobody there. We walk in like a ghost town. We walk in, beautiful. Everything's on. You know, it's nice. Walk in there, and uh, we say, oh, I see you're here, Mr. Prue, blah, blah, blah. And, uh, uh, you know what? Uh, how would you like to be upgraded? Well, what do you mean by upgrade? We'd like to put you on the, like, what was that, the 23rd floor. And it's a suite that overlooks the, 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 the dock area and all that. Would you like to? Yeah, how much? How much? No, for nothing. We want to do it just because. Why, certainly. <laughs> right? Everybody likes an upgrade. Everybody's into upgrades, right? Well, if we want to upgrade your life, we got to get dishonor out. Treating people as common out. And get honor back in. Placing value upon them. I need you in my life. Honor is aware. It's always noticing. Matthew 13, 57 says, So they were offended at him. But Jesus said to them, A prophet is not without honor except in his own country. And in his own house. Now, he did not many mighty works because of their unbelief. What? They were offended with him. And they treated him as common. And because they treated the Lord Jesus Christ as common, he could not do signs, wonders, and miracles that he came to do for them. Am I preaching okay? And they, he said... Because of our unbelief. When you study that, it means because of their familiarity. They became so familiar. familiar. Familiarity, two words in there. Family, liar. And I'm not talking about your family, but I'm talking about somebody so close, like family to you. Come on. Uh, they, they, they lie about your future. They lie about who you really are. They don't see it. And familiarity breeds contempt. So now they got a problem with you. They become offended with you. They become angry with you because they're so familiar. And so when you start getting blessed, they're like, how did that happen? They're a jerk. It's called habituation. Doing something so many times over and over that you just don't even notice it anymore. Our first house we bought, we didn't even realize it. It's just young. We're not, you know, we got a deal. It was a great deal. Now we kind of know what the deal was, you know. And there was a, there was a railroad track. Behind the beautiful lilac bushes on the back of our lot, it was summertime. You couldn't see the railroad tracks. So we didn't know there was a railroad train, a train that went through that, uh, those tracks. And we were sleeping one night, 2 o'clock in the morning. I mean, this thing is loud. And it's going right through that. It's like a fellow's going through. Oh, my God. We woke up. What's going on? We're going to die. We're going to hold each other. We're going to die. <laughs> and and um, sure enough, railroad tracks. And every, almost every night at one, between 1 and 3 o'clock in the morning, then things go off. And you thought, oh, my God, we made a mistake. After about two weeks, didn't even notice it anymore. You become what? Familiar with it. It's so habitual that after a while, you don't even think about it. People, I can't wait to get to California. Ooh, I'm going to get out of Milwaukee. All this crime in Milwaukee. As if there's no crime in L.A. Or anywhere else for that matter. It's just, I, I'm just over Milwaukee, okay? 
And so we're going to move to California. Because you know, in your mind, beaches, mountains, huh? Nice weather, right? You're going to get a job, 9 to 5, like everybody else. You're going to get in a 101 and all that traffic. And guess what's going to happen? You ain't going to see the ocean no more. You ain't going to think about them mountains no more. You're going to be right in the grind again. You're going to have to take a vacation just to go see your mountain. And you live there. Right? Because it becomes so familiar after a while, it just sort of blends away. Number two, honor compliments. Honor compliments. Um, when we go, my wife and I would go visit other ministries, we compliment that ministry. We don't go and talk about our ministry. Not ever, ever, unless they ask a question. And even them, because I'm in their house, I want to show honor to them. I want to be complimenting them and what they're doing. Let's talk about you, right? And so we go, we go, and sometimes these, these, these buildings are not the best-looking buildings. And, and, and I don't go, so this is a beautiful building. I said, wow, look at that stage. I compliment the things that are nice that they're doing in that place. Wow, that bathroom was clean. That's a good-looking bathroom. So, and, and, of course, pastors, they puff right up. Oh, that's what that. Look at my bathroom. Look at my bathroom. Because, because I'm there to show honor, honor compliments. When someone comes to this house and they, they don't say uh, nice things about the church and talk about themselves the whole time, they're showing dishonor and they don't even know it. Some of you say, well, I don't care where I'm at. I'm going to be me. I'm, gonna, I'm just going to do what I do. You know how I am. I do what I do. And that's why you don't get invited much out. I don't care if the president called me up. I don't care who's in that office. I'll go in there, and I'm going to be myself. That's the reason why you'll never be invited to go to the Oval Office. Why? You don't know how to show honor. You're going to get in there with your flip-flops on, sit in that chair, put your feet up on the desk of the president of the United States, and look around and go, nice gig you got here. That's dishonor. And, and, and dishonor will never get you ahead because the only thing that gets you ahead is honor. Honor is the only thing that elevates everything. Honor adapts. So I can go to the president of the United States. <clears throat> I don't care who's president. <clears throat> this one's the most polarizing one we've had, but it doesn't matter who the president is. I don't care if I agree or not agree. I will show honor to the office of the president of the United States. I'm not like everybody else. I'm going to do that because it's the right thing to do. Honor adapts. You think, well, I'm, I'm on this side of the line. I don't care what you think about me. That's just, that's nonsense. Honor what is put in place, and you watch. God will begin to put you in the right place. Some of you may not have grown up around compliments. So for you, it might be a little, little bit foreign. So you got to learn to say words like, wow, this is amazing. You ever brought anybody to your new house? They walk around. Never say one word. How dishonoring and rude is that? You can't even fake it if you like, don't like it. Right? So honor, again, adapts, and you say things like, wow, this is amazing. This is great. This is awesome. Let's practice it right now. Everybody say, wow. wow. Say, this is great. This is great. Say, awesome. awesome. Everybody say, this is amazing. Was that so hard? What did you do to that person? 
You made them feel like they were 10 feet. You made their day. Well, I need my day made. But you will never have that day unless you learn to sow that seed. Amen. And amen. I'm out of time, and so I'm trying to go through what I want to say here. One last thing. When you see, there's so much I want to say. Be careful to not treat those who are in authority over you as common. When you see someone who is older than you in the Lord or an older preacher, you know, I, I, I've always, my whole life I've been like that. My whole life. I was a disrespectful little guy. Don't get me wrong. I was, I was, I was rebellious. But not to those that, I, that were older than me. Because I could see the, I don't know what it is. I could just see the miles. I could see the years in their eyes. I, and they look at it, it's almost intimidating, you know. I've always been like that, always been like that. And so I always want to show honor to them because they have so many stories. And this punk is going to tell them what needs to be said. I think it ought to be the other way around. I should be all ears when I get in the presence of someone like that. Don't treat people that have been around a while like they're common. If you see an older Christian, elder Christian in the Lord, and I'm just giving you one example, or you see an older preacher in the Lord of whatever capacity they may be involved in, ask them to bless you. Say, you know, would it be too much? I just respect you. Would you just lay your hands and bless me? That would be an honor for me to have you bless me. Amen. Amen. Honor compliments. Dishonor complicates. And we see this all throughout the scriptures. How in the world did I put this much on my... I got so much more to say. And the devil robbed the time. Somehow this happened. But I will say this. Save it for Thursday? I'll save it for Thursday. How's that? I'll save it for Thursday. How's that? 